0: This is Brett from We Went Fast. I figured everyone out there could use something new to read or listen to right about now, so I dug up an article I wrote 10 years ago that still applies today. Riders who won only one Supercross main event in their career. I've updated the statistics in the intro paragraphs below to reflect where the Supercross season was after it stopped in Daytona 2020. Since the original writing, four new one-time winners have been added two of those riders are still active in the 450 class. And if there's enough interest and curiosity, I'll do a part two of this one-hit series and maybe even expand it to the motocross winners. Also, since all of these wins came during the eras when two-stroke motorcycles dominated, I stuck with the 125-250 division names, so if you see 250 class, that's referring to the premier class of the series, or what we now call 450. Please leave a rating and review in your podcast feed and then buy a t-shirt at wewentfast.com slash shop. That's what keeps me going. Can you spare three bucks a month? Join me on patreon.com slash wewentfast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash wewentfast. Patrons get access to the private Vimeo page and other exclusive content. Patreon keeps we went fast going and also free of advertising. And now, one-hit wonders... Part One. Kings for a Day. This is a list of ten riders who won a single premier class Supercross main event in their career. No, neither Ricky Ryan or Mike Craig made this list. But before you turn this podcast off, hear me out. Of the six hundred and eighty-four Supercross main events run from nineteen seventy-four, the year the AMA Supercross Championship officially started, through Daytona twenty twenty. Only 64 riders have won. Of those 64 riders, 22 won a single main event in their careers. I've narrowed the group down to 10 retired riders based on their accomplishments outside of that lone victory. These imperfect guidelines left me with 10 riders who were among the best in their time. Some were champions in the 125 class, some won MXGP World Championships and some won handfuls of races in the AMA Pro Motocross series. But in the stadiums, their finest moment as professionals of AMA Supercross happened on a single day. For some, the memories haven't been discussed in decades. Others remember every detail of the race, down to the number of seconds the gate was held after the 30-second card went sideways. Whatever the level of recollection, none of the riders realized their first victory would also be their last. But telling these stories years removed, they are all rightfully proud of being, even for one day, the best rider in Supercross. John Dowd, April 18, 1998, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Charlotte, North Carolina. Credentials, 1998 125 SX West Champion, 8 career AMA 125 250 motocross wins. John Dowd used to be so bad at riding Supercross, even his team laughed at him. When he was hired by Yamaha for the 1995 season and moved to California for the winter, the New England motocross specialist had very little stadium experience. That winter, Dowd spent four days a week at the team's test track. I definitely pulled off some stuff in Supercross I never thought I would have, he said. I remember all the guys at Yamaha making a lot of fun at me, at first, because I broke a lot of stuff, bent stuff. I was casing jumps everywhere. The joke was that I was going to owe them money at the end of the season. At the time of the 1998 Charlotte Supercross, Dowd battled David Villeman for the 125 SX West title, but jumped at the chance to ride the 250 class on the East Coast whenever he could. Known for his mud riding skills, Dowd welcomed the rain that fell in the days leading into the race. I was pumped for that mud. I knew it was going to be a matter of surviving and doing what you knew you could to get through the jumps because it was going to be ruddy, muddy, and nasty. Despite the warnings from others, Dowd went with a sand tire, a rare choice in Supercross. I thought, screw it. Throw the sand tire on because I want a good start and I'll deal with it from there. Anything can happen in the mud, and if I was ever going to win a 250 race, this was going to be the night. Dowd's teammate Kevin Wyndham hole shot and took off. In the chaos of the mud and rain, Dowd got passed by Larry Ward and Mike Larocco, but knew if he stayed consistent, he could get on the podium at least. Wyndham crashed hard on the rhythm section on the front stretch, so I inherited the lead, Dowd said. I couldn't believe I actually won, I know a lot of stuff happened, and a few guys fell, but I'll take it. At 32 years old, Dowd also took the record for the oldest main event winner in Supercross history. That's been surpassed since by the Rocco and Justin Brayton. But even more impressive is that Dowd wasn't even halfway through his professional career in 98. His final professional race was the 2013 Southwick Motocross National, where he went 30-19 in the motos just six weeks shy of his 48th birthday. Nathan Ramsey, April 13, 2002, Pontiac Silverdome, Pontiac, Michigan. Credentials, 1999 125 SX West Champion, 15 career 125 SX victories. From 2001 to 2006, Ricky Carmichael thwarted a lot of would-be first-time winners. By round 13 of the 2002 season, he had eight victories and enjoyed a six-race win streak. Nathan Ramsey was Carmichael's teammate and the first factory Honda rider to compete in Supercross on the new CRF 450R four-stroke. His night in Pontiac started lousy. I just wasn't feeling the flow all day, Ramsey said. His bad feelings followed him all the way to the last-chance qualifier a spot where eventual main event winners seldom mingle. I didn't have much time in between the LCQ and the main event. I remember going straight to the gate and being to the very outside, Ramsey said. On lap three, Carmichael attempted to make a move on leader Ernesto Fonseca when he did his now famous high-speed loop out over a stutter step-up jump. With his front wheel pointed at the ceiling of the Silverdome, Carmichael rode his CR250 all the way to the ground where his hands were ripped from the handlebars, and his body belly-flopped on the dirt. With his visor dangling in front of his goggles, he scrambled to find the bike, while the rest of the class, Ramsey included, passed by. When that happened, you could just see it, Ramsey said. Everybody's eyes were just going wide open. I could actually win this thing. He's crashed! Fonseca led half the race before Tim Ferry and Ezra Lusk passed him. Ramsey, who tipped over on lap six, spent the majority of the main event in fourth. Late in the race, Fonseca faded, and Luskin Ferry went down in the whoops. It was the 17th lap, and Ramsey inherited the lead, and Carmichael, who had steamrolled his way through the field, took over second. It didn't really sink in until I crossed the white flag, Ramsey remembers about taking the lead. I remember saying to myself, okay, I'm leading this thing, and I only got one lap to go. I only need to finish one lap, and I'm going to win this main event. There was no way I was going to let anyone pass me. No way. Carmichael's night ended in a rare second place, a bike length from Ramsey, whose favorite memory came after the finish. I pulled up on the obstacle after the finish, and it was pretty cool to have Ricky Carmichael pull up on one side to congratulate me and McGrath pull up on the other side, Ramsey said. For me, that was a big deal. Once you win one of those things, you finally feel like you're one of the guys. Ramsey rode for Joe Gibbs Racing in the second half of the 2009 season before retiring. He finished ninth in the Las Vegas Supercross, the final race of his professional career. Jim Pomeroy. March 15, 1974. Houston Astrodome. Houston, Texas. Credentials. First American to win an FIM World Motocross race, Spain, 1973. Four career FIM World Motocross GP victories. Jim Pomeroy, man of many things first American as a motocross racer, was also winner of the first ever truly indoor supercross race. The Houston Astrodome hosted round two of what was then called the Yamaha Super Series, the first version of what we now call the Monster Energy Supercross Championship. Back then, this new series was novel, but considered a spring warm-up for the pro motocross series. Pomeroy, however, needed to kill some time before he returned to Europe for the 1974 FIM World Motocross Championships. In the previous season, he won the Spanish GP, becoming the first American to win an FIM GP overall. For world motocross pioneers like Pomeroy, Supercross was a sideshow. Jimmy hated man-made courses. He didn't like Supercross, said Arnie Beanham, Pomeroy's mechanic. The more they made the jumps for the crowd-pleasing, the more he hated it. We called it a gladiator sport, said Ron Pomeroy, Jim's younger brother. Spectators could see all the action and all the thrills and spills and all the tracks were so tight that all you could do was knock someone down to pass them. None of us liked that. The Houston track, built by Gary Bailey, had a blue groove in it, like a dirt track oval. Supercross settings for bikes didn't exist in 1974. Beeman robbed the frame from a flat track bike and shoved a Persang motor into it. We were experimenting, Beeman said. The R&D paid off for Beeman and Pomeroy. Jimmy dominated all night long, Beeman said. I knew right from practice that nobody was going to be able to touch him. They had a turn that had a berm around the outside, and Jimmy used that berm, and nobody else did. He hit it in fifth gear, and that's where all the time was made up. Beeman's recollections of the night were from a different angle than Ron Pomeroy's. Ron raced, too. The Super Series had 40-man finals in 1974, and Ron ran at the back of the pack. All of a sudden, here comes Jim, Ron said. I didn't know he was coming up on me that fast and we bumped each other because I was in his line. He yelled at me because he didn't realize that I didn't know he was there. I almost knocked him down on accident. Jim Pomeroy didn't appear in another Supercross main event until 1977. He earned six podiums that season and finished second overall to Bob Hanna. His final Supercross came at Anaheim, which ended the 1978 season. Jim finished fifth. When he turned 50, Jim began competing in the American Historic Racing Motorcycle Association's Vintage Motocross Series, where he became a three-time champion of the 50-plus expert division. Pomeroy died in August 2006 in a Jeep rollover accident near Yakima. Doug Dubach, June 15, 1991, Spartan Stadium, San Jose, California. Credentials? World vet motocross legend. Three career supercross podium finishes in the premier class. At 1 a.m. in San Jose, California, Damon Bradshaw had his mother on the phone, who lived in North Carolina. The sun was an hour away from rising there. Dubak won tonight! Can you believe it? Doug won! The excited 18-year-old screamed into the payphone while Dubach and Jeff Emig waited for their grand slams in a booth nearby. Dubok calls it his most treasured racing memory. Three hours after the checkered flag at the San Jose Supercross, the Yamaha teammates celebrated at a Denny's near Spartan Stadium. Dubach had beaten Bradshaw for the 250-class victory, and Emig won the 125SX main event. Like John Dowd, Dubach scrapped for everything he ever got as a professional racer, such as racing AMA Pro Motocross Nationals while working full-time. In 1984, he got laid off from his pool cleaning job, so he hitched a ride with Mike Byer to race in Gainesville, Florida. On a clapped-out, mostly stock Suzuki RM125, Dubach finished 5-12 and decided to stay on the road that summer. In 1990, after years of soldiering his way through Yamaha's factory support program, he was offered a contract to be a full factory rider. The San Jose Supercross was the second-to-last event of an 18-round schedule in 1991. Dubach had just returned from injury, and he felt fast, particularly in a set of whoops that led into the finish line tabletop. I remember Keith McCarty telling me at the end of practice, if you can go that fast all night through those whoops, you're going to make a lot of money tonight. Which I thought was a funny comment, Dubach said. The main event, now a classic, had five different leaders, but Dubok led the last lap. Late in the race, Dubach ran third, but watched Jeff Matasevich and Guy Cooper slam each other. It was almost like I wrote the screenplay because I was back there in third going, oh, these guys are going to kill each other, Dubak said. Cooper finally made a pass stick on Matasevich through the whoops just before the white flag, but he wasn't able to protect the inside line in the next corner. Matasevich came hot into the corner, which had a single roller, and jumped right into Cooper's front end. It was the last lap and cost both riders the win. Dubach, already content to have outright passed Jeff Stanton earlier, now had the lead. Bradshaw, who got stuck in the gate at the start, aggressively passed Stanton for second, but his teammate had a safe enough distance to win his first AMA Supercross main event. Dubach's last Supercross main event came in Tampa in 1996, where he finished 15th, but he also raced select pro motocross events through 2001 and regularly finished in the top 15. He's also won more World Vet motocross titles than anyone can count. Jeff Matasevich, March 17, 1990, Sam Boyd Stadium, Las Vegas, Nevada. Credentials. Two-time AMA 125 SX West Champion, two career AMA 125 250 Motocross wins, three-time All-Japan Motocross Champion. Holding his left shoulder, Jeff Matasevich lay in an emergency room bed at a Corona, California hospital. The thoughts running through his head were not good. For months, he had tried to forget how his shot at winning the 1990 AMA Supercross title imploded six months ago. Now his chances of being competitive enough to win the 1991 title looked grim. Christmas was in a few days, and a new season started in three weeks. Then the man on the bed next to him died of a heart attack. Earlier that afternoon, Jeff Chicken Matasevich went over the bars in the whoop section at the Kawasaki Test Track. The torn muscles in his left shoulder blade caused his 1991 season to suffer. I remember sitting in the hospital wishing I was just like suicide would have been the only answer to how, you know, I was so bummed, Matasevich said. And then the hospital staff brought in a guy and they started screaming. The guy had a heart attack right there in the bed next to me. I thought, well, I guess life isn't that bad. The injury crushed him though. As a rookie, Matasevich led the 1999 AMA Supercross Championship for 11 of the 18 rounds. At round 7 in Las Vegas, he took his only win of the season and ultimately his career. He dominated that race, leading 19 of the 20 laps. The track was more technical and suited my style a little better, he said. You wake up on those days and everything seems real easy. From the first practice on, I felt... I was just one step above everybody else. When I got in the lead, Jean-Michel Bale was in second. I had about four seconds on him, and I was marking him in every turn. That pace was like a walk in the park for me. With two hands in the air, Chicken crossed the finish line and extended his series lead to 14 points over eventual champion Jeff Stanton. Matasevich consistently finished on the podium until round 15 in Foxborough, Massachusetts, where he struggled for a ninth and allowed Stanton to close to within one point of the lead. His season unraveled after that as Stanton won two of the last three. I was pretty pissed off I didn't get that championship, Matasevich said. In my whole racing career, the only thing I ever cared about was winning a 250 Supercross title. When I won those 125 titles, they didn't really mean anything to me. I never had any doubts that I wasn't going to get the 250 title. In 1995, Matasovic received an offer from Kawasaki of Japan to compete in the All-Japan Motocross Championship. For Kawasaki, putting American riders in there helped them with production model development while raising the level of competition on their own national motocross series. Matasevich swept the series for 3 straight seasons. In 1998, he raced a handful of supercross events in America, both in the 125 and 250 classes. His final main event came in the 250 class, coincidentally in Las Vegas. He finished 20th. Chuck Sun March 1, 1980, Fulton County Stadium, Atlanta, Georgia. Credentials 1980 AMA 500 motocross champion, 1981 USGP winner, 1981 Motocross of Nations winning team member. Chuck son almost scrapped his dream of becoming a motocross champion. After three consecutive injuries that included a sliced leg, torn cartilage, and broken bones, he seriously considered going to college. Husqvarna didn't have a budget to pay him, but they did give him a truck, and a mechanic. In the fall of 1979, he headed to mid-Ohio for a trans-AMA race where he bested Roger DeCoster and Brad Lackey in a moto. All of a sudden, I was on the radar again, Sun said. The Oregonian soon found himself poring over contracts from Kawasaki, Can-Am, Husqvarna, and Honda. He went with Honda, who hired all new riders in 1980. The bike that they built was really trick. It was lightweight, had pro-link suspension, and was a true works bike. I loved riding that thing, Sun said. Sun's supercross victory came in Fulton County Stadium, home of the Atlanta Braves baseball team, and site of Hank Aaron's record-breaking 715th home run six years earlier. Some of the best mud races of all time happened in Fulton County. And Chuck Sun owned the 1980 edition. It wasn't a super mudfest, but it was sloppy enough to give us guys from the Northwest an edge, he said. Sun led most of the main event, but his win was nearly sabotaged when his former Husqvarna teammate Kent Howerton unintentionally pinned him in a corner. I went to the inside on him and I was lapping him, and he goes down on top of my bike, Sun said. I had to wait until he picked up his bike and took off. The Atlanta win was sweet, and Sun said he didn't sleep all night. But decades later, he can more easily remember a race he didn't win, the first main event of a doubleheader in New Orleans two months later. The race had network TV coverage, and the course featured a man-made waterhole that Sun blasted through. Mike Bell, Sun, and Daryl Schultz all exchanged the lead, but it was Sun and Bell who battled on the final lap. Bell made the last lap pass, one corner before the finish. To this day, I'm still sick over losing that race, Son said. In the autumn of 1980, Sun won the AMA 500 motocross championship and came within 10 points of doing it again in 1982. The last supercross he raced was in San Diego in 1982. He finished 14th. I think I was pacified with my wins outdoors, Sun said, of not winning more in Supercross. I always considered myself an outdoor guy. Supercross was very, very cool, but it was kind of an extra thing for me. In my mind, the outdoors were the real thing, the real prestige. Pierre Carsmakers March 9, 1974 Daytona International Speedway, Daytona Beach, Florida Credentials? 1974 AMA 250 Supercross Champion, 1973 AMA 500 Motocross Champion. The most distinct memory Holland's Pierre Carsmakers had about the 1974 Daytona Supercross was not getting the chance to race against Roger DeCoster, who, at the time, was a three-time and defending FIM 500 World Motocross Champion. Right before the race, he decided not to race in the race I participated, Carsmakers said. I was in very good shape, and he was probably afraid of losing the race against me. The AMA ran a 500 Supercross championship also through 1975. DeCoster won the 500 main event that afternoon in Daytona. Without DeCoster, Carsmakers was left to battle with Rex Staten and Jim Pomeroy for the win on the Gary Bailey-designed Daytona track which, as always, was free of dust and full of telephone poles. Bailey even raced and finished fifth overall. Carsmakers remembers that the spectators were very enthusiastic, more so than for the 200-mile road race that year. Carsmakers showed up late for practice, but it didn't affect him in the three-moto format. Jim Pomeroy won the opening moto, but Carsmakers went 2-1-1 for the overall besting the Penton-riding Buck Murphy, who went eight-three-three. In the early 70s, Carsmakers was the only top European competing full-time on the AMA circuits. For the Americans, motocross was still new, and having a rider from the Netherlands cleaning house was a challenge. He won the 1973 AMA 500 Motocross Series and the Yamaha Super Series in 1974, which included only two points-paying rounds. The Super Series was the first version of what we now call the Monster Energy Supercross Championship. Carsmakers competed in only a dozen stadium events in his career. His last came in 1978 in Seattle, where he finished 19th. Greg Albertine January 11, 1997 Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, Los Angeles, California Credentials? 1992-125-FIM World Motocross Champion, 1993-1994-250-FIM World Motocross Champion, 1999-250-AMA-Pro Motocross Champion. In 1997, South Africa's Greg Albertine finally had confidence. The three-time World Motocross Champion came to America in 1995 and spent two years injured. I was a beaten down rider, he said. That January, he had an improved Suzuki and a new teammate, Jeremy McGrath, who brought the experience of four AMA Supercross titles to the yellow brand. Coming off the 95 and 96 seasons and having a bike that was really, really bad, we made a lot of progress for 97, Albertine said. McGrath, coming off his Honda, still thought Suzuki was atrocious, but compared to what we came from, it was absolutely leaps and bounds better. That night, the pressure was all on McGrath, who had made his shocking switch to Suzuki two weeks prior to the start of the season. He was now the top rider on the team. But in the main event, Albertine, not McGrath, battled with Jeff Emig early in the race. McGrath crashed in the first corner and again later in the race. After 10 laps, Albertine was all alone in the lead, and the last 10 laps felt like an eternity, he said. I wanted it to end right there. I thought, oh my goodness, I better not throw this away. Things were flying that night, but every rut felt magnified. Albertine said his fondest memory was crossing the finish line knowing he had finally done it. To come to America and feel like a total amateur in Supercross It was like, yes, he said. Two years later, he beat Kevin Windham for the 250 AMA Pro Motocross Championship. His only regret in his career was that he didn't win more Supercross races. He really wanted a Supercross title, a tall order for any rider during the Showtime era. Jeremy McGrath was the greatest of the greats when I was racing, Albertine said. It was damn hard to beat the guy. Albertine finished 4th at the Pontiac Supercross on February 19, 2000, his last main event score. Damon Huffman February 22, 1997, Georgia Dome, Atlanta, Georgia. Credentials? Two-time 125 SX West Champion, 1997 World Supercross Champion, 1998 U.S. Open of Supercross Winner. After two laps, the pain wouldn't go away, so he rode back to the truck. It was cold that day in the high desert of Palmdale, California. Patches of snow lined the track where Kawasaki tested for the AMA Pro Motocross opener less than a week away in Gainesville, Florida on March 2nd. After he handed the bike off to a mechanic, Damon Huffman gently, but quickly, tore off his left boot and saw his foot moving involuntarily. Yeah, it's broken, he said. He hadn't crashed. Huffman was still on a warm-up lap, working the stiffness out of his AXO motocross boots when he hit a hole. His foot slipped in front of the peg and it sucked his leg under the bike. He had broken his fibula. I couldn't believe it, he said. I kept on riding because I was expecting the pain to go away. That was really a bummer. I didn't even get a chance to follow my win up the next weekend or have all the guys say congratulations and all that. Huffman had just won the Atlanta Supercross one of the biggest highs of his career. In the Georgia Dome, less than three days earlier, Huffman waited for the starting gate to fall. The card was sideways, but the gate stayed up longer than normal. In his peripheral, he saw his competition flinch. I dumped the clutch and timed it so clean and perfect that out of the gate, I had about a bike length on everybody, Huffman said. Perfect start, shifting, timing and I killed them to the first turn. Huffman remembered Jeff Emig and Jeremy McGrath being close at the beginning, but that's it, just close. A couple of times they showed me a wheel, but I put together 20 perfect laps, and nobody was able to do anything about it, he said. One of Huffman's odd little secrets that night was that he wore AXO trail riding boots. They were super soft, and I was able to really feel the bike, but the support wasn't there at all, Huffman said. He struggled with the motocross boots, which got hung up on parts of the bike, and the trail boots allowed him to shift and move around easier. The broken leg from testing three days later sidelined him for the rest of the 1997 Supercross season. One year later, Huffman suffered a broken femur in Pontiac, an injury that, he said, changed his career. I kind of learned to be more cautious, he said, which, perhaps hurt my results. You go from being fearless, not worrying about what could happen, to thinking, huh, maybe I need to be safer here. Very tough. Huffman's last supercross was in 2005. He finished 10th in Las Vegas. He ended his professional riding career with a gold medal at the ISDE in Portugal in 2009. Sebastian Tortelli January 10th, 1998, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, Los Angeles, California. Credentials, 1996-125 FIM World Motocross Champion, 1998-250 FIM World Motocross Champion, three career AMA 250 motocross wins. Who's on the number 103 Kawasaki plowing his way through the pack? What's that funny looking gear called? Oxbow? Those may have been the questions many spectators asked as Sebastian Tortelli passed Jeremy McGrath for third, Jeff Emig for second, and then Doug Henry for the lead on the final laps of the 1998 opener in the LA Coliseum. Few Americans knew about the 125 World Motocross champ, but he could move. "It just looks like he's being held up," said ESPN's David Bailey during the race telecast. The course had soft dirt and deep ruts. Rain in the leading days caused practice to get canceled. The conditions were perfect for a hungry kid from France. The last two laps don't come close to telling the whole story, however. Tortelli rounded the first lap in 15th place and wasn't even in the top five after 10 laps. But even before that, he arrived at the starting gate and was told by the AMA that he was late and he would have second to last gate pick. Ezra Luss came in behind him. We were both sitting on the way outside in the deep mud, Tortelli said. With his boots soaking in standing water, the chances of Tortelli walking away with even a trophy seemed slim. But this scenario was normal for him. I rode my supercross tracks back in Europe, even when it was raining, he said. You make the best out of it. Having rough faces and deep ruts wasn't really a problem for me, but for the California guys, it was a problem. Tortelli passed Henry in a rhythm section just before the white flag. Henry, the winner of the 1997 Supercross finale in Las Vegas, was looking for two in a row on the new Yamaha four stroke, but he laid it down in the corner after the white flag. Tortelli blew by the mechanics area all alone and read his pit board. Craig Monte had written two for two on it. The mechanic was congratulating his rider for two wins. The first, was the weekend prior at the nearby Paris Raceway Invitational where he beat Jeff Emig. Tortelli, still learning English, didn't understand the phrase. He already thought he was in second place and seeing two for two on his signal board to him confirmed that. He crossed the line without even a fist pump, but inside he was happy with his finish. One year earlier he finished seventh in the main event at the same race. When I go to the podium and ESPN's Davey Coombs says, Hey, congratulations, man, you won. I'm like, what? Are you sure? I was very surprised. The following week, Tortelli tweaked his knee and missed round two. Despite being top five in the points after seven rounds, he was called back to Europe to battle Stefan Everts for the 250 FIM World Motocross Championship, a title he won in the final round in Greece. In 1999, he returned to America. Tortelli's final supercross ended in a 14th place in Houston in 2005. Can you spare three bucks a month? If you enjoyed this story, want to see more, and want to keep this site free of advertising, consider becoming a patron. For a token amount of money every month, you can become a part of the We Went Fast team and get access to exclusive content, the private We Went Fast Vimeo page, free swag, and discounts to the shop or buy merchandise like a t-shirt or a hat or a book. The revenue is poured back into this website to keep Moto That Matters flowing. Share the story and read a comment. Thanks for listening.